At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Rep taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> Oh, it's a lot of stuff being talked out like there. A lot of whole, whole bunch of stuff being talked about, right? Y'all wanted some? Okay, come get some. I'm not hiding. I'm not running, but usually I avoid a lot of issues, particularly when it comes to my professional establishment. That ain't happening today. I'm sick of some people out here. I really, really am. I'm talking about in this industry. Stay tuned. Buckle up. The Stephen A. Smith Show is here right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you as I love to do on a regular basis every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 4 p.m. live Eastern Standard Time over this YouTube channel owned by yours truly. Of course, there are special editions like I did yesterday, uh, which was Tuesday when I talked to the governor, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. But at the very least, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Stephen A. Smith Show, right here on YouTube. As usual, we're here in our studio. Thanks to our official studio sponsor. It's a FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I'm going to start off this show by first telling you thank you for your support. Obviously, my subscribers are nearly 233,000 as we speak, uh, gaining about three to 4,000 since the last time y'all saw me. So be sure to like and subscribe to get notified about all of our new content. Click on the bell to get the most 
up to date notifications. Okay. Thank you again for all your support. I really appreciate it. And by the way, at the end of every show, practically every show, I'm going to take questions, calls from the audience, uh, because I love interacting with y'all. Just put them in your YouTube. You have any questions, put them in the YouTube chat and I'll get to them at the end of the show or call a hotline at 646-727-0769. That's 626-SAS-0769. You don't hear me attacking certain subjects very, very often. One of those subjects is anything pertaining to first take, ESPN, what's written. I pride myself on being a big boy. I can take it. It doesn't matter to me what people say most of the time. And I'll, I'll, I'll confess to you one of the biggest reasons it doesn't matter is because I know at any given moment I can reach out and touch folks anytime I want to. So why do I need to worry about it? But there are certain times where enough's enough, enough's enough. And, you know, I've listened to quite a few people over the last few weeks, particularly since the layoffs occurred um, at ESPN, Uh, especially Dan Lebitard, who I'll get into in just a few minutes. But, you know, the athletic. uh wrote some article about ESPN's first take. And the article was entitled Skip and Stephen A. Embraced Debate, Played the Hits, and Changed TV. Sounds very flattering. Very touching, I might add. If you just read the headline, sound very touching. Don't you all agree, y'all? Don't you all agree? Just, it seems very, very touching, right? You know, when you emotionally taken back by the headline, I mean, really, really nice. Until you read the damn thing. And when you read it, it was basically a puff piece and an endorsement for Skip Bayless. Now, let me say something. I have no problem with a nice piece for Skip Bayless. Haven't spoken in a while. We haven't worked together for seven years, as I repeated and reiterated on this show and various others. I will always be grateful. For what Skip Bayless has done for my career, regardless of how Charles Barkley feels about him or a plethora of athletes or other people, you're not going to get me to throw shade on my guy. We don't have to speak very often. We live two completely different lives. We're very, very busy and all of this other stuff. But the one thing that I have never failed to acknowledge is that Skip Bayless. Jump started first take. And he will always be synonymous with first take. So anybody that wants to give him love for that, I don't have a problem with it. I'd be the first to do it. But when you write a piece like The Athletic did, and you're quoting everybody from Jamie Horowitz to Skip Bayless to Rob Parker to Rochelle Marcusine to to, to former producer Kevin Reeder, Uh, I mean, to Jay Crawford, to John Skipper. They're all gone from ESPN. Great people. I talk to Jamie Horowitz all the time. Rochelle is one of the most wonderful women you'd ever want to meet in your life. John Skipper and I just spoke the other day. I'm not throwing any shade on them. I'm saying when you're writing a piece 
And it's supposed to be about first take. And you're talking about everybody from the past. What exactly is it that you're trying to say? We got an executive VP at ESPN who has overlooked and overseen ESPN for the last six and a half years minimum. There is one sentence from him. Talking to me was like damn near pulling teeth. I mean, let's just call it like it is. And not only was that the truth, but it was also like, yo, oh, 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 the days of days of past. And this is what first take is. First take has changed over the years. But that's not why I bring up this subject. I bring up this subject because whether it's Skip, who's going to be back on the air on Undisputed on August 28th, there's a promo. Whether it's somebody talking about the days of yesteryear, whether it's The Athletic today, whether it's some other outlet another day, whether it's Dan Levitard another day, you know, first take is mine, baby. And it's Molly Karam's. You ever heard of a guy named Pete McConville? You haven't. Do you know that when First Take was Cold Pizza before it got named First Take, there was a debate segment within the show Cold Pizza. It was created and produced by Pete McConville, who's now a big time producer for First Take. Along with my man Tom DeCordy, along with my man James Dunn, miss my man Antoine Lewis. Casualty of the layoffs, God bless him. Did a great job for us for a decade. But it's a different day. And when I sit around and I listen to people bloviate about where ESPN, it, it, it used to be this way. What the hell y'all talking about? What you talking about past tense for? We ain't going anywhere. The reason why I wanted to start the day off with this with this subject on this podcast is because I see the promos for other people. I get the impression of what people are wishing for, wishing for. I'm not going away. I thought, fellas, I thought I couldn't be more fired up about this upcoming year. You think I'm fading? You think first take is going to fade? You think that we going to sit up there and lay down and just let others come along? Are we going to take them out? Let's go. Let's go. I can't wait. I might come off vacation early. Because I got time in August, too. I might come off vacation early in August. I can't wait. Hell y'all think this is. Everybody talking about what it used to be. We're number one. And I'm not just talking about first take. I'm talking about ESPN. See, I got this, 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 this little agitation that swells up inside of me when I see people talking about the network, particularly people who used to work there. Because if you notice something about me, I will come to my own defense all day, every day. You come at me, I'll come right back at you at my discretion. But what I won't do is constantly lament an employer that was once good enough for me to take money from. 
That's BS. It really, really is. I'm listening to Dan Levitar, and I guess that it was some, 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 some show from the other day because obviously it was in the aftermath of the layoffs and, and, and you know, a sad, sad day. The, 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 the worst day in the history of ESPN and all of this stuff because of the layoffs. Of course, it was a bad day. Of course, that's not something you celebrate. Of course, you take no joy in folks losing their jobs. I know that. And as I will, I will remind this audience. As sad as I am and as wishful as I am that every single one of those folks land on their feet and ultimately recapture a prosperous career that they had at ESPN, that they do it somewhere else. I will remind everybody they're casualties of a layoff. Because ESPN lost about $5.5 billion. The parks and in theaters, not the situation in Florida with Governor DeSantis and a don't say gay policy or so what was labeled that. That ain't the reason. Contrary to what y'all want to believe. See, y'all talking emotion. I have facts. That is not true. Parks, movie theaters and sporting events disappearing. It's a lot of money to make up for. That's what happened. But y'all talk about, oh, my Lord, I'm looking at uh, Elamine Hassan. Hassan, rather, I'm sorry. Sorry to mess up your name, Elamine. You know that. Got love and respect for you. He on the Dan Levitard show. And he's talking, too. And I'm looking at Dan Levitard, and I'm still disgusted. Still disgusted, even though Dan Levitard is my friend. And I love him. But I'm still disgusted about how he came at me with that question on his damn show. You and I I hate what you and Skip Bayless have done to sports like his ass has been doing accounting. Did you have Holly questionable? Was our daddy on the show with us? That was you. You. By the way, I love Mr. Levitard. Papa De Levitard. No shade on him either. Please don't take this that way. That's not what I mean by that. I'm talking about your comfort. You was on the show just looking at your father saying hi and giving him a hug and a kiss. You were debating. That's what you were doing. It amazes me how somebody like a Dan Levitar will sit up there and lament the state of affairs in an industry you are participating in. You sitting on the air, I don't know how long ago it was, with Jamel Hill talking about how, you know what? You know, you, you, you know, it, it, it's a great, great thing you left. Really? Okay. Probably is. Cause I know you're gifted at what you do and you're a great person. You know, I love you, but I'm getting on Dan Levitard about this a little bit. Why is ESPN always a topic of discussion like this? And why are folks coming off like we're losing? Subscribers have diminished. We're in 72 million homes now, not the 90 plus million or even 100 million that we were years ago. Do you have any idea how dominant ESPN in the sports landscape? We're number one. No one's close. No one's close. Subscribers have dipped because we have a younger generation with the advent of social media and the digital stratosphere, and they found different options other than linear television to watch a product. 
It's very simple. Dan Lebertard is one of the most brilliant people you will ever meet. He knows this. What you bitching for? What you don't have in subscribers, you have in a digital stratosphere. Lesson to everybody out there in today's day and age and the direction that the business is going in. If you don't have a footprint within the realms of social media, chances are it's going to be challenging for you to maintain being gainfully employed. Did I say anything disrespectful? Did I say anything false? It's that simple. How do you not know that? Of course you know it. But we don't want to acknowledge that because it's ESPN. We want to sit up there and look at ESPN like the big bad wolf. And then you, some of you fools out there forgetting that I own this damn podcast. This is my podcast. I decide what I'm going to talk about. I decide what I'm going to say. You've seen me on television for years working for ESPN saying what the hell I wanted to say. All of a sudden, I'm a tippy toe now that I got my own platform that I own. And I operate that I pay for. Are you on drugs? What drug are you sniffing? That's not how I roll. But the facts alter or at least give me cause to pause for a second. Let me give you some of these numbers, y'all. Because naturally being at ESPN, I can simply call up stats and numbers. Do y'all care to hear any of them? I mean, does it matter to you? Does it matter to any of y'all? ESPN Digital remained number one in sports category with 103.5 million unique visitors. ESPN Digital achieved its best May ever by unique visitors, surpassing its next competitor by a record-breaking margin of 39.8 million. The runner-up would be Yahoo Sports, who's pretty damn good, by the way. CBS is behind that. Bleacher Report is behind that. Sports Illustrated is behind that. Minute Media, the Players Tribune is behind that. STN Video is behind that. USA Today Sports Media Group is behind that. Whistle Network is behind that. Major League Baseball is behind that. What y'all talking to us like we losing for? And I say we because that's my day job. What y'all think y'all doing? I'm just tired of listening to folks bantering back and forth and acting like, listen, it's hard times, it's hard times, it's hard times. I mean, what has happened to the worldwide leader? What has happened to ESPN? Business has happened. May 13, May, I'm sorry, of 2003, ESPN laid off 400 staffers. Where were y'all then? Oh, you were employed by ESPN. November 2015, ESPN laid off 300 staffers. Where were you then? Oh, you were employed by ESPN. April 2017, 100 on-air talent was laid off. What was the number the other day, fellas? 20. A hundred were laid off in 2017. 100. 
November 2017, 150 staffers. Six months later, 150 staffers laid off. November 2020, 300 staffers laid off. Let me do my math here. 800, 1100. 1,250 folks have been laid off by ESPN since May of 2013. No one was surprised. Because when you're represented by a company like Disney and you have stockholders and shareholders to answer to. And you have budgets that you have to meet. And the mandate is that you lost $5.5 billion dollars. This is what comes with it. So you have to make sure you transition yourself into being a liability or an asset. You have to make a distinction between the two because just coming to work every day and doing your job, no matter how great you are. Folks are going to look at the numbers. That's why I came on the end. I told you I could be next. What I meant by that is if my ratings drop, I could be next. If my subscribers wasn't growing by the thousands each day, would I have this podcast? When you see people successful, why do we deem them successful? Because they generate revenue, not lose it. What do you think going to happen to Dan Levitard's podcast if he ain't generating any numbers? What if Dan Levitard walked in tomorrow and said, I can't pay y'all. I'm not making any money. We're losing money. Because we got stockholders and shareholders to answer to. Is he going to be the devil? Y'all are something else. Y'all are something else. But I'm here for it. And let me tell y'all something. It's a couple other things before I move on to Mrs. Pippen or formerly Mrs. Pippen and Michael Jordan's son. Before I move on to that. I want to say something else that's very, very important for y'all to understand. When I saw Elamine Hassan, Hassan rather, Hassan, I never called him by his last name. That's why I always mispronounce and I apologize for that's not intentional, my brother. You know I love you. But he was talking about first take at one point on Dan Levitard's show, and he was talking about how Brian Wintors comes on the air, and they're really the only ones, you know, people like him and Woj are the only ones who've done any reporting. I haven't done any reporting on first take in my decade on the show. I haven't broken news. I haven't gotten interviews. I haven't done any reporting. Really? Really? That's what we're doing now? I saw Jamel Hill on Dan Levitard's podcast, but I think that was many months ago and stuff like that. When she said, hey. ESPN wants black faces, not black voices. Who the hell am I, Michael Jackson? I lost my complexion or something? What about Ryan Clark? What about Marcus Spears? What about Lewis Riddick? What about Kimberly Martin? What about Damian Woody? 
What about Bart Scott? What about Keyshawn before he left? That black voice is all over the place. Black face. I'm only bringing this up, ladies and gentlemen, because I, honest to God, I never saw it. I don't know the difference between what was posted yesterday or a week ago and what was posted six months ago. But I'm seeing this. I'm like, what? Jamel Hill has moved on. As a colleague, I miss her every day. Wonderful talent. Deep sister. Conscientious cares about a lot of people. I would never, ever, ever think to utter that any network she is on want black faces, but not black voices. I would never do that. Not in a million years. Just because she's on it. Because her voice mattered that much to our network. Dan Lebertard's voice mattered that much to our network. Why y'all think I got offended when I said to him, well, what the hell were you doing? Teaching some journalism class or something? Because I would never assume that Dan Lebertard is being extra for the purposes of trying to sell television and not being his true authentic self. Do you have any idea how insulting it is to make those kind of implications? But it's all right. Because I love you anyway. You and your crazy ass self. Ain't nothing to talk about with Jamel Hill. I love her always. And Amin El Hassan. I don't know why I can't pronounce his name. Amin El Hassan. Okay. Got respect and love for you too, my brother. I'm just saying, damn. Pause for a second, y'all, and think about some of the stuff you're saying and who you're talking about, ultimately. But as it pertains to the industry and back to the athletic and the article that they wrote, supposedly about first take, but it seemed like they was pulling teeth to get a quote from me and, and, and Dave Roberts. I'm here for it all. I'm here for it all. Let me tell y'all something right now. I have been motivated all my career to be great at whatever it is that I strive to do. Sometimes I pulled it off. Sometimes I haven't. I have never, ever been more motivated to succeed on first take than I am right now. Y'all done started something. I don't give a damn who it's against because it ain't just about me. I got an 18 and it starts with Jimmy Pitaro and it sifts on down to Dave Roberts and it comes on down to me and Pete McConville and Tom DeCordy and James Dunn and Devin Antoine Lewis. I wish you were still there too. And of course, Molly Karam. She's the truth, y'all. She the damn truth. Ryan Clark going to be back. The pivot, baby, he going to pivot right on over the first tape. He going to be back. 
Swagoo, Marcus Spears, they gonna be, he gonna be back. Dan Olaski, he's gonna be back. Mina Kahn, she gonna be back. Mad Dog Russo, baby, he's gonna be back. And that's just for starters. Y'all done started some shit. I promise you, I ain't worried about a damn soul. I love competition. Assuming there is any, we have been number one. First take for 11 and a half straight years. We have been number one for seven and a half straight years. We've been number one for two and a half straight years. And we number one now. Y'all woke up the wrong brother. Y'all thought I was bad before. Buckle up. You ain't seen a damn thing yet. And I think it's safe to say that I ain't just saying that about ESPN's first take. I'm saying that about the entire damn network. We win. And by the way, I said that when they fired me. So don't act like I'm making it up now. Oh, I'm speaking because I'm at the network and I'm under the umbrella. Y'all did say I was the face of the network. Pat McAfee's arrived. Espy's is tonight. He gonna be featured on there. That brother's something special. We just getting started, y'all. We ain't taking a backseat to any damn body. Who hell y'all think y'all are? Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Let me move on to this next subject here because I want to say that Larsa Pippen, the ex-wife of Scottie Pippen, I'm not too fond of her. Somebody got to say it, so I'm going to say it. Michael Jordan's son, I'm not knocking him. But I'm going to knock Larsa Pippen and I'm going to knock Scotty Pippen for the latest stuff coming on out now, right, right, right about now. The ex-wife of Scotty Pippen and the lady for Marcus Jordan, the son of Michael Jordan, is claiming she was traumatized because she heard Jordan who reportedly was asked if he approved of the relationship between his son and his ex-teammate's ex-wife. Jordan said an emphatic no. Marcus Jordan reportedly did what I believe he was supposed to do. He laughed it off. He worried about it. That's his daddy. His daddy's entitled to his opinion. His daddy can't stop him. But she's supposedly traumatized. Traumatized over what? How could you possibly think that would have been okay with Michael Jordan? Why would Michael Jordan want his son with his ex-teammate, a person he called the greatest teammate he ever had, who's a six-time champion? Why would he want his son with that man's ex-wife? By the way, Laws, it looks good. She looks gorgeous. 
it's perfectly understandable why Marcus Jordan said, Dad, I appreciate where you're coming from, but you need to fall back. I ain't trying to hear you. What the hell you got to say, Dad? On that? Do you see what the hell I'm, at? I'm with? <laughs> Shit. I ain't, Dad, I ain't, I ain't letting that go, Props. I'm sorry, Props. You know what Jordan probably did? Let me tell you what Jordan probably did when Marcus sat up there and said, Dad, you, you see her? I'm passing this up. What you know what Jordan did? He did exactly what he did when he hit those damn five three-pointers in the first half against the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA Finals with Magic Johnson doing color commentary on NBC. I promise you that's exactly what Jordan did. Because I can't stop my son from getting some. He's a grown-ass man. I can't tell him who to be with and who not to be with. I would have liked for him to make a better choice. because, And I don't mean better to denigrate loss in that way. When I say better choice, meaning something that didn't hit so close to home. And that's why, loss with all due respect, nobody wants to hear about your traumatization. You know that when you knew Jordan, you was Pippin's woman. And the mother of his children. So to you to transition from that. To dating his son. Is at the very least. Uncomfortable. So she's sitting up there. She's talking. She admitted. It's probably awkward. It probably is awkward for Michael and Scotty. I feel like for them, it probably is weird. It probably is weird for your dad, she said. You think? Really? Really? You don't understand that as a woman? You're a grown woman. To the fellas out there, tell me I'm lying. Tell me I'm lying. Look at me when I'm talking to y'all. This is important for men. At one point in time, they were family, Scottie Pippen and Jordan. Again, she was around. I don't care what man you are. When you are dating someone, even if you don't want them anymore, you don't want to see them in your face with somebody else you tight with. You don't want to see that. That's too close to home. There's certain lines you don't cross. As a man, I could date somebody and I could break up with her and her sister or a friend or a relative or whatever that's coming my way. Hands off. I can go in a different direction. I don't need to do that so close to home. The former Mrs. Pippen didn't care. A matter of fact, she didn't care enough. I'm wondering why she still got her name Pippen. Why don't you change it? Give people an opportunity to forget that you were Scottie Pippen's wife. So it's not being snubbed in his face. No wonder. And, and, and Scottie Pippen, I hope you realize this. Jordan didn't approve. So listen, for those that were speculating that Scottie was salty at Michael. Well, now we see something different. Because Michael didn't approve. So that's not something that Scottie can hold against him unless Scottie is saying you're supposed to control your son. And I don't know too many fathers that could control their son from hooking up with somebody that looks like that. I'm telling you right now, 
I only met Marcus a couple of times, never really spoke to him. Respect the brother. Wish him nothing but the best. Live your life. Be happy. I'm certainly not throwing any shade on him. But I'm telling you right now, I can imagine that conversation. Marcus rolling up. Dad coming up to him. Yo, dad, yo, dog. Dad, I love you. You know that. You know that. But, you know, you shoot, dad. Dad, I ain't, I ain't passing that up, bro. <laughs> you, you seeing this? I'm not passing that up, pops. Pops. Sorry. Sorry. What the hell? I guess Scotty Pippen wanted Michael to disown Marcus or something. I don't know. But loss has saved the traumatization. If you were that traumatized, it had never happened. It ain't like you didn't have options. Ain't nobody as fine as you devoid of options. Which means you chose of your own free will and volition. To put Michael Jordan in a compromising position and have absolutely positively no regard for your ex-husband. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. I'll leave it at that. Moving on. Last comment before I go to break. Um, Northwestern has made news. Because Northwestern has fired its football coach. It should not come as a surprise, ladies and gentlemen. Pat Fitzgerald was fired because of a hazing scandal that was taking place at the university. Um, Though the university said there was no sufficient evidence that coaches knew about the misconduct. The school's president said Coach Fitzgerald should have known. University president's name is Michael Schill. He initially issued Fitzgerald a two week suspension without pay on Friday. Um, after reviewing the situation, but then reflected, he said, upon reflection, I believe, I believe I may have erred in weighing the appropriate sanction for coach Fitzgerald and he fired him. It was an appropriate dismissal. Um, in fairness to coach Fitzgerald, um, in a statement to ESPN, he said the university investigation reaffirmed what I have always maintained, that I had no knowledge whatsoever of any form of hazing within the Northwestern football, Northwestern football program. And for those of you who are wondering about the specifics of the hazing, it says 11 current or former players acknowledge that hazing has been taking place within the program. The hazing included, quote, forced participation, nudity and sexualized acts of a degrading nature in violation of the university policies. That's why he had to go. I'm not saying Fitzgerald should have coached somewhere else in the near future. I'm not saying he isn't a hell of a coach, even though he was one and 11 last season. Okay. He's the winningest coach in the university's history. 17 years as head of Wildcat football. He's brought the team to 10 bowl games within five victories and was named the 2018 big 10 coach of the year. The man can coach and I'm sure he'll get another job soon. He should. We all deserve second chances, but it is important to note this. You can't use ignorance as an excuse. We live in a world where misogyny takes place, where xenophobia exists and most certainly homophobia and transphobia. So when hazing involves sexualized acts and nudity, you never know what level of discomfort that could create for somebody else. This is the age of social media and digital. You do not get away with 
doing stuff like that. And you damn sure don't get away with proclaiming that you don't know about it. Coach Fitzgerald, you may be telling the truth. Respectfully, sir, nobody believes that. Nobody believes the head of a college football program is unaware of things like that going on with their team. Not when 11 different players do. Nobody believes that. And so in this day and age where the video can pop up any moment and stuff like that. Northwestern was left no choice. That's the world we're living in. Get used to it. Remember, originally Ray Rice. Was handed some two game suspension or something like that years ago. Until the video came out. And you ain't seen him in an NFL uniform since. His career is over. Just like that. In the age that we're living in, stuff like that can't be tolerated. I hope Coach Fitzgerald gets another job soon. But Northwestern had no choice. They really had no choice. Back with more to Stephen A. Smith show in a minute. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Oh, just had to get those things off my chest. You know, sometimes it's good to be quiet. Sometimes it's good to let's let things pass. Everybody ain't significant and all of that other stuff. But certain things just needed to be addressed. Certain things just needed to be said. And you just get tired of, of folks embellishing stuff and reaching conclusions they got no business reaching. It's just unnecessary. It really, really is. Um, but, you know, I brought up Jamel Hill just because of that one comment. She knows I love her. Uh, me and Ellison, or Hassan rather, you know, respect the hell out of that brother and what he does in the game of basketball and no shade on him. Dan Levitard, he just irritates me some damn time, but I love him. That's my brother. We go back over 20 years. I love Dan. You know, but he sit up there with his chunky self all, you know, you know, just sitting there, got his head down, looking ticked off and annoyed most of the time, you know, and got the nerve to be bringing us up. Like he don't have anything to do with the business. Like he's at some accountant firm or something. He's doing the same damn thing we do it. I just get annoyed by that sometimes, but I still love him to death. I still love him to death. Having said all of that, um, I got some more stuff to get into. Uh, John Morant is something that I have to get into uh, because he's in the news again. Um, an arrest warrant, but it's not for him. Um and something funny to tell y'all about before we go to the calls, because I'm definitely going to go to the calls and the messages to end the show. But not before I get to my next guest, a phenomenal, phenomenal actor um, that's been around for a long time. I've been a fan. One of my greatest, greatest scenes in the history of movies was with this dude, Ving Rhames. This man, remember that scene in Pulp Fiction, y'all? And they playing the music in the background. Al Green, let's stay together. Remember? Eh, 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 eh. I think you're going to find when all of this is over and done. Talking to Bruce Willis. I think you're going to find yourself on smiling motherfucker. Thing is, Butch, you got ability, but ability 
don't last. And your days are just about over. Now that's a hard mother effing fact of life. But that's a fact of life your ass is going to have to get realistic about. While the music was playing, fly scene. You didn't even see him. You just saw Bruce Willis in the back of his head. And then he said a little bit later in his soliloquy, he said the night of the fight, because he's trying to get Bruce Willis to throw the fight. He said the night of the fight, you're going to feel a slight sting. That's pride fucking with you. What pride? It never helps. It only hurts. One of my all-time favorite scenes, which is why I couldn't wait to talk to him. Just interviewed him a day or so ago because Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is out today. You know I'm going to see it. Vic Rames with yours truly right now. Oh, this is a treat for me, ladies and gentlemen. This is a treat for me. I can't even lie. I've been watching this man for years. I mean, I, I, I haven't missed a Mission Impossible movie, okay? I never missed Baby Boy. I saw that about 10 times. The list goes on and on. I mean, I saw this man on Equalizer, Equalizer series. This man has been around forever, okay? He's one of the great ones, all right? It is an honor and privilege to sit down right now to talk to one of the great, great actors in this industry, the one and only Bing Rames is in the house. What's up, big time? How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. And how is everybody? Everybody's wonderful, man. Thank you for so so much for being on the show. And there's a lot of stuff to get into. We've got Mission Impossible. I mean, it's a six. I mean, parts one and two, you're going to be in that. You've been in all of them. What is it like for you at this point in your career, doing the tremendous work that you have done to be a part of this franchise, to see what this franchise has grown into, obviously led by Tom Cruise? Well, I'm also in Mission Impossible 8, which is coming up after this one. Okay. You know, like, and I'm happy and I feel blessed to work with him and get to know Tom. It's been 24 years and we met in a bathroom. Wow. Talk At the premiere of Pulp Fiction, which might have been 30 years ago. Okay. I was in the bathroom and he walked in and, of course, I recognized him. And we started up a conversation. Okay. Then after the movie... He came and jumped in my arms. And, <laughs> and why did he do that? And why did he do that? I don't know. But, but <laughs> he knew me or something. But I'll just say he showed a lot of respect. And a couple of days later, him and Bryant De Palma called me and offered me Mission Impossible 1. Mm. You know, I'm thinking about it because, I, I mean, there is no bigger fan of Tom Cruise than me. I think he's absolutely sensational. He gives the audience what we're constantly looking for. We're never bored looking at him or the characters in any of his movies as far as I'm concerned. And now this is it. This is the latest installment, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Part one is out today, by the way. I'd like to ask you, what can we expect from this? that we haven't seen because it seems like we have seen everything. But when it comes to Tom Cruise, you can never say that. Yeah. I would say Tom does most of his stunts, if not all. Mm -hmm. And I would say bigger stunts like what he did in this one. He really did it. Wow. Jumping off the cycle, falling down. Yep. He did for real. Mm. He keeps trying to top himself and he's, you know, he's close to 60 now. Hmm. Wow. So he just keeps, you know, giving more 
stunts get bigger and bigger. Like I get scared, bro, but he loves Have you ever thought about doing one yourself? Have you ever thought about doing one of them stunts yourself? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm too old now. <laughs> and I I get I wake up with soreness in my knees from football. So no, I don't think about it. You are I mean, this is how long you've been around. Your storied career spans nearly 100 films under your belt. Did you know that? Did you know that about yourself? No, but I did know that uh, next year is my 40th year as a professional actor. Mm. And I must say, man, the training that I received was very useful. And it helped make me more than a quote unquote black actor. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's important for young actors to know that they have to give some, like, like if you're having a portfolio, you want to diversify it. Mm -hmm. So you need to expand yourself as an actor. How did you expand yourself as an actor? When you talk about expansion, um, expanding yourself as an actor, really testing your range or whatever, what's been the biggest challenge for you in your career as it pertains to trying to accomplish that? directors feeling that they know more about being a black man than I do. Mm, wow. And I would say the industry has changed and, you know, you get a lot of younger directors and even some older ones who have an image of who the character is, but you have to play it. They may have an image who a black man is, but mm. you have to play it. Mm. I'm imagining, though, and I'm I, I, clearly I could be wrong about this, but I'm imagining that very challenge that you just articulated. It would be a stiffer challenge for someone younger or dare I say, without your resume, without your credentials to be able to go up to a director or producer and say, this is the way something should be done by a character played by me. I know this. I might know it a bit better than you. And they would defer to some degree, rather than push back and challenge. Are you saying that that's not the case? No, I'm saying sometimes directors defer to who they're comfortable with mm. or wow. who they've worked with before. Let's say because I've done a, all of the missions, I know how the director works and I know how Tom Cruise works. Mm -hmm. So I fit in to a nice slot. Right. And I think that actors have to, you know, like you have to be kind of diversify yourself into dealing with people mm. because the industry has changed and coming in now, it's not necessarily based on who's the best actor. It may be based on who's the most popular or who looks like the type. But wasn't that always the case? Wasn't that always the case? I, I think so, but I don't think I experienced it. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, I because basically, I think just like if you're playing football or basketball, you have to run, you have to learn how to shoot, you have to learn how to pass, you have to learn how to block shots, rebound. So you're, you're training for something. And a lot of times, a lot of actors are not trained. But you are. And because yeah. you are, you're considered one of the great ones in this industry. Well, I say that I didn't choose acting. Acting chose me. Mm. So I thank God for giving me a gift that I just have to cultivate. So just like in basketball, running helps you. Uh, practicing your jump shot or three-point shot. You know, all these things help. And a lot of actors don't, don't even train. They just get up there and act. Mm. 
I'm looking at something right now because I know you just finished shooting a film called Instigators uh, with Matt Damon and Casey Affleck, uh, basically animation, animated and production film uh, with uh, Garfield as well, with Chris Pratt and, and, and Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, Sam Jackson. Could you talk to me about that and how different, if at all, that role is for you compared to some of the things that you've done in your career? Well, I thank God that he gave me a voice and I get a lot of voice o- over work. That's right. And I think it pays better than what people think. <laughs> push young actors to get into voiceovers. Right. It's paid you because I've done some voiceover work. Vic. It didn't pay me much. I got to admit it. But I, I'm not I'm not throwing shade on it because it is a lot of money in it. You're right. Wes, we know your voice. We, I mean, it's very, very distinctive. And like, listen, the bottom line is this. Everybody, especially in your case, you have a multitude of gifts where you stand out. I don't know. You, you don't know this because we haven't spoken before. You were a part of the greatest scene, my favorite all time scene in the history of movies. It was Pulp Fiction. It was when you were talking while uh, Tarantino was playing. Uh, uh, what, what was it? Al Green. Let's stay together. <laughs> oh, and you were talking. You, 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 you were talking. You were talking to Bruce Willis, and basically just letting them know. I think you go fun. I ain't gonna even get into it because I know the line, chapter, and verse is one of my favorite scenes. Because I was like, I just thought it was pretty fly the way that they did it. But I look at you. I watched. I just finished watching you the other night, and and undisputed when you when you were going up against Wesley Snipes. That was a great movie. I've seen that several times. Your work is definitely something to be applauded as you sit back and reflect on all these years that you've been doing what you have been doing how are you feeling about yourself at this point in time as a professional as an artist i feel a lot of times i know more about the art of acting than directors you may know know more about directing but about the art form of acting I know more. Like I've read all of Stanislavski. I've read Rutowski. I've read Boleslavski. Names that people don't even know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, I, I did. I believe, like I trained for this. Right. Well, and so that's when I look at films or voiceovers that I've done. I think the training made me more versatile. Mm-hmm. That's what I, what I owe it to. And I grew up in Harlem. I grew up dirt poor. Father made. $8,000 a year, mm-hmm. eight off the books. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in, you know, in a, let's say, I won't, I don't want to say there were gangs in Harlem, but there were a couple. I remember the right. Savage Skulls, the Black, Black Spades, the Young Lords. But, and, and I also grew up in a time when the Nation of Islam was growing. Right. So I had a lot of influence that I didn't even necessarily know, but you know, like osmosis, it was becoming a part of me. So mm-hmm. now I'm at a point where, you know, I, I would say, honestly, my mother passed away in there. Take your time, no. my brother. Take your time. Yeah, my mother passed away about five months ago and really changed how I look at the world. And so now, I thank her for all the sacrifices. She even told me when she was a kid, she used to pick cotton in South Carolina with with the uh, Nazis. So I just feel like, um, in spite of that, she gave me 
all she had to give. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know her and I were at peace with each other. And my mother lived to be 95. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate, very blessed. And um, I think I know how to deal with pressure. And I have, I, I'm learning more and more how to deal with the loss of the two people, my father and mother, who brought me on this planet. So I feel pretty fortunate that, you know, they gave me the equipment to do what I do. And my mother always believed in me. Uh, Ben Graves, if you don't mind, I'd like to steer left by getting a bit personal with myself because I want to give you some words, if you don't mind. I lost my mother five years ago. Um, Six years ago, I'm sorry to be exact, June 1st in 2017. And I cried every day for about two years. I was incredibly, incredibly depressed just because I missed her. But I remember she said something to me and I swore that any man that I ever run across and I've run across many who've lost their mother, I was going to reiterate to them what I'm about to reiterate to you. My mother was laying in the bed about a week before she passed away after battling cancer for over seven years. And she looked at me and she said to me, why are you looking so sad? And I just said to her, because I don't want you to go. I'm going to miss you. And she said to me, don't you love me? And I said, of course I do. She said, don't you think I'm a good enough person and I'm going to be in heaven? I said, of course I do. She said, then hold on to the memories and remember, this is how it's supposed to be because you don't wish the opposite because you wouldn't want me to have to see you gone. I'm going to a better place right now because my job here is finished. All I need you to do is hold on to that and remember that when you have tough days. And I swore that any man that I run across that was really struggling with the loss of their mother, I would tell them that story because I know how much it helped me. And I'm hoping that it helped you. Yeah, it has. And, uh, I just sometimes, man, I can be watching anything on television. Yeah. It'll trigger something in me. I'll start crying. Yeah. So that's that's what's been happening to me. And so I'm still going through learning how to cope and wondering why her life had to be so hard. Yeah. Because she went through a lot. She even um, had two kids that she put up for adoption. Mm-hmm. I for them. Right. So, you know, and they had a pretty good life and one of them passed away from cancer. So thank you for sharing that with me. Absolutely. How does she feel about your son? Because I see you wearing that Howard Jersey right there. And I know that, you know, your, your, your son's doing some, some, some big things. HBCU got to give it love. You know that come on this show. I'm going to do that. Talk to me about that for a second. Well, the first thing I always, before I had kids, I have a son and a daughter. I wanted God to bless me with being able to give them the best education I could afford. So my daughter is graduating from USC this year. Mm-hmm. Wow. My son is at Howard. So okay. 
know, and both of them are 4.0 students. There you go. So, you know, I'm very proud of them. And uh, I'm. uh, Take your time. Take your time. I'm really looking for forward to the next phase of life for them. Mm-hmm. Like I live my life for them now. Um, I've traveled all over the world and I've fulfilled a lot of my dreams and uh, I'm really just focused on my kids now. Yeah. Before I let you get on out of here um, again, mission impossible dead reckoning part one is out today. Um, Thinking about where you are, I know you talked about directors, knowing more than the directors and what have you. You ever think about directing yourself? I mean, doing that, shifting from acting in front of the camera? to really, you ready? Why not? You said about your favorite player. I don't know if he's your favorite, but best player. Let's say Michael Jordan. Yes. Michael Jordan said he doesn't ever see himself coaching. Mm-hmm. And I look at him sometimes if you're pretty good at something, and Michael Jordan was exceptional, it's hard to teach that to someone if they can't hit a 15-foot jump shot. Well, why not? Why can't you hit a 15-foot jump shot? I hit them. So that's why I feel that for me, it would have to be a project that I feel I've lived. Mm. Yeah, like when I see films like Training Day or American American Gangster, not Training Day, American Gangster. Yes. I grew up in that neighborhood. Yeah. And I spoke to the director and I can say when something doesn't feel right or didn't happen, like Nicky Barnes didn't use his own drugs. Right. But I'm snorting cocaine or whatever. Right. You know, no, I know no drug dealer. And I grew up around a lot of them who did that. Right. So there were so many things. And I told the the writer, I think the writer was Steve Zalian. Mm-hmm. I spoke to him on the phone and I said, look, um, if you want to meet the guys who were around, I can take you and introduce you to them. So that's one thing, too, that I feel like when it's a false portrayal of something I lived, I have a problem. How would you like to be remembered when all is said and done about your career? I don't know about my career, but. um that I'm an honest man and I try to help mankind. That's what I feel. I have a lot of kids in college that I help now financially. And so that's part of my tithing. I don't necessarily give to a church, but I give to people, you know, so, and I'll let God deal with me whenever that happens. But that's how I would like to be remembered that a man who was honest and pretty much loyal and you know so i look at life now and things that i have to give and i look at you know i look at helping people mm-hmm. you know or talking to people and you know even when I, I just spoke to a kid who played for pepperdine and we have a kid who is in the pros from pepperdine as a matter of fact he's with the lakers maxwell lewis mm. right so, and you know i helped him on his way up right so Things like that that I want people to remember. Well, I'll never forget you. 
um, not just because of the work, but your how conscientious you are and the things that you do and you continue to do. And I wish you and your family, all your loved ones, nothing but the best, man. And I can't wait to the day when we meet each other face to face. Uh, so I can tell you what an honor and a privilege it is to officially meet you in person. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, man. You take care. You too. God bless. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show, and thanks again to the wonderful Ving Rhames. Uh, Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning. I can't wait. Oh, my Lord. I haven't missed the Mission Impossible movie. I'm a huge, huge fan of the Mission Impossible franchise. By the way, once again, thank you all so much for supporting the show, as you always have, up to nearly 233,000 subscribers. Um, and I'm climbing and climbing and climbing every day. Obviously, I'm climbing because y'all are helping me climb. Y'all are pushing me up and supporting this show. The love is deeply appreciated. Thank you so much. Be sure to keep it coming, though. Be sure to like and subscribe to get notified about all of our new content. Click on the bell to get to the most up-to-date notifications. Just want to say that. And by the way... Some questions and phone calls from y'all are here. Y'all coming for me. I'm right here. Answer anything you want me to answer. Put them in the YouTube chat and I'll get to them to end the show. Okay. Got a, uh, got about 15 minutes left. So, um, a couple of things I want to get into before I get to your questions. Piggybacking off of what I, uh, started this show talking about because I wanted to make sure that, um, I cover myself. First of all, um, I'm a very, very happy man. Um, because the boss of Disney, Mr. Bob Iger, um, a man that I know very well, um, just announced that he is staying two additional years. And so he'll be here through the year 2026 as the CEO of Walt Disney. I can assure you that's a huge, huge plus for us. Um, anybody that's working under the Walt Disney umbrella, and we're incredibly happy about it. Um, I know I am. I want to say that first of all. Secondly, I want to make sure I made a couple of corrections because in my diatribe where I was going off about people coming um, at ESPN, at First Take and what have you. And, you know, I mentioned that ESPN lost five point five billion. No, it was Disney. I meant Disney, which owns ESPN. OK, if you recall, just to make sure that I articulate the facts accurately for all you guys, um, that five point five billion dollar number that Iger Bob Iger gave out last year. That was the number uh, he said Disney needed in order to cut cost five point five billion in cost, which included seven thousand jobs um, as a part of that equation. ESPN didn't lose the five and a half billion dollars. That wasn't us. That was Disney, the parent company. Um, the loss was, um, if you recall, for those of you who know business, you know this. For those of you who don't know, sit back and listen and learn. Uh, direct to consumer segment for Disney um, and Bob Iger's uh, present predecessor, Bob Chapek's last earning calls that lost one and a half billion dollars alone. Which is why change ultimately occurred, um, because it was a big wake up call for the company. Um, that was when Iger set, came in, looked at everything, assessed it and declared Disney needed to cut five point five billion in cost uh, with the seven thousand jobs. The 20 cuts that was exercised by Jimmy Pitaro, who's the boss of ESPN, that was done to save millions, as you know, that's business. Uh, 
ESPN's financial targets were hit. Um, and, you know, and it was also done to save behind the scenes and off camera employees, because you have to consider the fact that there are some employees that are getting paid millions upon millions of dollars. That isn't the case for producers, whether they're senior coordinating producers, coordinating producers, producers, associate producers, et cetera, et cetera. Those people ain't getting paid that amount of money. So if you didn't cut some of those folks that were making millions, you would have to have you would you would have had to have cut a significant more amount of people who were working behind the scenes. And so it's just important to point that out. I'm just reading from my notes that I wrote down to make sure that I'm, 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 I'm giving the accurate information because this is obviously a very, very delicate subject. Okay. Having said all of that, I meant what I said. We walking around competition, you know, undisputed is coming on the air. August 28th and NFL Network and MLB Network and everybody else. Well, first takes here. We have for a reason. Molly Cameron's coming back. Pete McConville's in the house. A sensational producer. So it's Tom DeCordy, another sensational producer. Uh, my man James Dunn is coming back. Don't know what I'd do without James Dunn. Still miss my man Antoine Lewis. First take ain't going anywhere, though. It ain't about just pontificating and giving your sports take. It's about the entertainment business, too. Take on all comers. Let's go. Let's go. I can't wait. Y'all should have left me asleep on my vacation. Y'all shouldn't have woke me up. You thought I was a mess before. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself once I get back at first day full throttle. I don't even know what I'm going to do with myself. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Best is yet to come. Um, John Morant's friend has an arrest warrant out for him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not something new. This is the situation involving John Morant from last summer. When he allegedly, uh, him and his friend, Devontae Pack, were involved in an incident where a 17-year-old, who's now 18 years of age, claims he was assaulted at Morant's home. All right? His name is Joshua Holloway. He identified himself in the story and said that Morant and Pack attacked him and continued to hit him even after he was on the ground, leaving him with a knot on the side of his head. Um. In February, Pack was at the forefront of several damaging John Morant stories, including an on-court skirmish with Lakers fan Shannon Shaw. Pack was escorted out of the Grizzlies game for the quarrel. We don't advocate violence. We certainly don't advocate gun violence. And I'm assuming Devontae Pack that since you were inside of the arena when you had that little beef with Shannon Sharp, that you weren't armed. You do understand that Shannon Sharp is the Hulk, right? Like the Hulk in human flesh. Like the Hulk without the color green draped all over his body. That guy. I don't know anybody that want to get into a, a issue, a physical issue with Shannon Sharp. It's just a suggestion. 
Moving on. Israel Adesanya props to him for the greatest tweet of the day. So Vanessa Hudgens, you know, actress, you know, does good work. I'm a fan of her work. Some people are just a fan of hers. And when you see this photo of her played by me, you I understand. Could y'all get that me. out of my ear, please? For those of you who are a fan of hers and not just her work, it makes perfect sense, as you can see in that photo. But forget the photo. It's the tweet that accentuated it in a beautiful way. Israel Adesanya, the reigning defending middleweight champion of the world in the UFC, simply retweeted it and said, quote, we're all in this together. <laughs> that was a beautiful quote. I got to give it to him. That was a beautiful one. That really, really was. Um, outside of that, even though that made me laugh, something else made me laugh too. Um, because I read some story about some barbers in LA that were walking around charging exorbitant fees to cut folks here. One was like for $1,100, another for like $750. My immediate response to that is I perfectly understand that if it's coming from me because I'm trying to create a hairline. And so obviously I need all the help I can get. And if you have that ability to create a hairline, which is not somebody I've ever met yet, then it would make sense to charge those exorbitant fees. Now, my man, Anthony in L.A., he don't do that from Long Beach. He don't he, he, he don't charge me that much money. There ain't no damn haircut worth. $1,150 or $750. All right. House calls. I charge $350 an hour plus a hundred dollar travel fee. Taper fade lineup and beard trim will take about two and a half to three hours. So it'll be what? First of all, if you take that long, I'm sorry. I got questions about your, 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 your ability to cut here. And secondly, just as an aside, when you use those kind of numbers and you utter the word trim in the same sentence, haircuts are not what people think about. And I'll leave it at that. <sighs> it's time for your calls and your messages. Let's get to the callers first. Give it to me. What's up? Hey, what's up, Stephen? A. Chicago from Wallen, North Carolina. What up, man? Give me a top five list of your five favorite ladies. Beautiful. Top five ladies. Talk to me, Stephen. I'll be back at your boy. My brother asked me for my top five ladies. Okay, Beyonce is just number one. She's just number one. Okay, she's the number one. Okay, it gets a bit trickier from there. I'm going to have to put J-Lo in top five because she has the look and the look. She's going to put a five-five. So it's three left. I have to put Megan Good in there. I just do. I just, I just do. She is gorgeous. Jonathan Majors, my brother. Continue to shine, my man. But Megan Good, she's gorgeous. She's smart. She's gifted. She's successful. And. Her facial features are just mesmerizing. You know, 
I looked at Jonathan Majors and, you know what I'm saying? That brother's a successful thing. I, you know, I thought I had a chance. I thought I had a chance. Uh, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, so Megan Good would be there. I've just always been a Sanai Lathan fan. I really have. I mean, there's so many gorgeous women. Okay. I mean, the Latinas are just, I mean, the beauty combined with the ability to speak Spanish. Oh, my Lord. It's just something special. It just is. But you don't hear the sisters receiving enough love. So I'm going to use J-Lo to appeal to that. Even though there are Colombians and Venezuelans and Brazilians that I know that are way up there. But we'll use J-Lo for now and leave it at that. So I'm going to say Beyonce, Megan Good, Sanaa Lathan, J-Lo's at number five. And who did I mention the other day? I forgot. I got brain lock right now. I got brain lock right now. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. But you got four of them anyway. Next caller, who you got? What's up? What's up? Going once. Going twice. Goodbye. You got to be ready. Can't hold the show up. Next up, who you got? Hello, Steven. This is Kaylin, hailing from the city of Atlanta. What's up, man? I'm an Eagles fan and a resident Cowboys hater. So tell me, what is your favorite Cowboys downfall moment in your history of hating on the Cowboys? I really need to what know. What is my what? My, my favorite choke moment. Hmm. There's been a few. Uh... <sighs> How about Tony Romo fumbling the snap against the Seattle Seahawks when Bill Parcells was coaching? That would that would apply. But me, my favorite is during the regular season when you had a chance to win the NFC East crown. And back to back to back years, you lost the final game of the regular season with the division crown on the line and a birth of the players on the line. You lost all three times to all the other to all the, to all the other three teams in your division. That was hilarious. Next caller, what's up? Hey, what's up, Uncle Steve? This is your favorite nephew, Marcus, out here in Richmond, California. Can you please explain yeah, to the young you men you. out there and young women that sex doesn't need to be longer than 11 minutes to be pleasurable? Because there's a bad misconception out here that sex needs to be at least 45 minutes. And as a working man, ain't nobody got time for 45 minutes. We got to get to sleep and go to work. Thank you. My brother, you are not Bernie Mac. Three minutes. That's all I'm giving you. That's all I got. Well, I don't care about you talking about me. No, you're not Bernie Mac, bro. It's embarrassing. Now, it's happened. Moments where you just don't, you know, like Martin Lawrence said in stand up, run till that. No, no, no. One potato, two potato, three potato trying to hold off. Now, that happens to every man. But that can't be the norm, my brother. You going to look at a woman and tell her all you given is 11 minutes. You going to mention that publicly. You have some serious deficiencies in your ability to provide what needs to be provided. If I was a woman, I wouldn't give you none. 
Hell, if that's the case, beat yourself for 11 minutes. Call it a day. Won't give you a damn thing. Cheap ass. 11 minutes, you can do better. Get it together. Last caller. Stephen A., what's going on? This is uh, Richard from uh, Los Angeles. What's up, man? Come on, let's go. So you know this year is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, so I'm curious to get your take on your top five MCs dead or alive. Um, my top five, I got Andre 2000, Slick Rick, Kendrick, MF Doom, and Miss Lauren Hill. What about you? I couldn't hear what you were asking, but I'm assuming you're mentioning hip-hop artists or your performers or whatever. For me, Jay-Z's number one all-time. Biggie and Tupac is in my top five. I love Nas as well. And for me, LL Cool J, because his work has withstood the test of times. He is something special. You understand? He never, ever, ever disappoints us. Ever. LL is special. My brother. And by the way, I got to get him on here just to promote his Rock the Bells channel on Sirius XM. LL's doing some great things, man. He's a great brother. He's my homeboy. Five minutes away, Farmers Boulevard. That's where he grew up when I was growing up in Hollis. Got mad love for LL. And anytime I got an opportunity to do anything that's going to help benefit him, I'm all for it. By the way, as an aside, they said there was a sighting the other day for Jamie Foxx who was seen and he was smiling. Um, He's probably still mad at me because of what I said about Rihanna. It was just a bad joke on my part when I did it on the Sherry Shepard show. Um, but I love Jamie Foxx. I consider him arguably the most talented individual in the history of Hollywood. He can sing. He can, he can act serious or comedic. You know, he's sensational. You know, no doubt about it. Um, but he's an even better person. And so, you know, it's beautiful to see him healthy and getting better and better every day. God bless you, my brother. All the best to you. Um, Alexander Maldonado writes, Stephen A., who you got winning a fight coming up between two great legends, Spence and Crawford? First of all, they're great fighters, but they haven't proven themselves to be legendary yet because to be honest with you, their resume isn't that stiff. I mean, it isn't a bunch of fights against Roberto Duran and Tommy the Hitman Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard or Alexis Aguero or Aaron Pryor or Pepino Cuevas and all of these brothers. They ain't had those kind of fighters in the ring with them. So we're going to find out what they worth. But I will say this. This fight should be epic. If this were three or four years ago, I would have picked Spence. Now I got it as a pick em. I don't think... Either is going to get knocked out. But I think Terrence Crawford has improved as a boxer and carried power with him and is maturated to the 147-pound limit. My boy Jay doesn't agree with that, but who gives a damn? I'm just telling you what I think. Um, I think Crawford is the better boxer. I think Errol Spence Jr. is the bigger, stronger fighter. And I think that Errol Spence Jr. needs you to come to him for him to pick you apart. And I don't think that Crawford is going to be there to get picked apart. Could be wrong. I think it's going to be a spectacular fight. Right. And if they in front of each other's face, somebody going down. But I'm inclined to believe that Spence is going to win by a decision. I'm sorry. Crawford's going to win by a decision. But it's a pick em. It's a pick em. All right. Somebody named often, often spaced. Right. Siaka might be on a move. Where do you think he ends up? I have no idea. I don't think about the Toronto Raptors too much. Um, I just don't. I just I'm just being honest with you. I know 
Siakam can play. I know, you know, he would be an upgrade in some people's eyes for the Knicks. I wouldn't want to lose Julius Randle for him. That's just me. Um, but I, I don't know where he's going. I don't, I really don't know. Next man up, 312 writes, where did you buy that fire shirt, Stephen? By that, I mean, you, you mean the shirt is fire. It looks pretty fly. I had it made. You know, you you find a tailor nearest you. Take your measurements. Pick out some swats and designs and have it made. Very, very simple. You understand? If I can do it, you can do it too. There's hope for you, my brother. You understand what I'm saying? And, and by the way, you're a hell of a lot better than an 11-minute man. You're a lot better than an 11-minute man. That brother should be confined to celibacy. He doesn't deserve any. You're going to sit up there and advertise, you know, a man shouldn't have to put in more than 11 minutes. I mean, that's just sorry. That's just sorry. Or you can look at it that way, which is how I'm looking at it. But in his defense, you can also look at it this way. He might think he's so prolific, he can get the job done in 11 minutes. But if you thought like that, why would you call up and say so? See what I'm saying? You would like pretend like you're doing your thing for an hour when it's only 11 minutes. You wouldn't advertise that it's just 11 minutes. You're the 11 minute man. Shit, you ain't even Steve Austin. The bionic man, $6 million man. 11 minute man. 11 minutes. I should have asked the ladies what they felt about that. I got to get some ladies up here in my studio to talk with me about these subjects. You know? I give good advice. I don't follow myself. I talk about myself. But I do give good advice. As I shall in the future. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Stephen A. signing off. Peace and love, y'all. Talk to y'all on Friday. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.